This week on the Bold Acting Podcast, conversations with creatives from throughout the years, uh, from older podcasts I've done. Uh, these are mostly from In the Dark, uh, which was a, my first podcast in 2017, and Walkie Talkie, which was another podcast I did in um, 2019. First up is... Uh, Yael Stav. Uh, we shared an office together uh, for about a year. She's a uh, director of film and TV and commercials and a dear old friend of mine. She won a Canadian Screen Award for Best Direction in 2018 for the Baroness Von Sketch Show. Uh, she was also a nominee for um, Working Moms. You've probably seen a lot of her work on television. Okay, now we're recording. <laughs> 44 minutes later, JB. That was that took a while for you to ask that one question. Everybody missed that minutes. gold. Um, okay, sorry about that. A lot of people think they could do a lot of different jobs. People seem to think when they go out into the world that they could, uh, I could do that better. I could do that. You know, people have a lot of comments about that. What are, what's, what's the first thing that comes to mind when I ask you, what do you think you could have done, aside from what you're doing right now? There's a, there's a blank look crossing his face, for those of you. It's not that I've never thought about this. Yeah, I know. I've never come up with an answer. Oh. The uh, obvious one would be, teach. Yeah, I know. But what would I... No. I would never think that I could teach. But you have. Teach what? <laughs> what would I teach? Uh, my dad was a teacher too. So mm -hmm. I saw that and thought, that's not for me. All that work, no money. Yeah. Ugh. He was a hard worker. So what would I? Uh, also, I haven't had to work hard. I see you in here every day pushing pieces of paper around, typing, yelling at people on telephones. Yeah. That's but not working? Know. It's not working? It certainly doesn't feel like work. Well, maybe it's because you're good at it. Do what you love. Do what you love. Uh, what about food related? No, I could never. I mean, I worked in restaurants for years. What an, a thankless, horrible 16 hours a day on your feet. I'm so old. I could never do that. Mm. I don't okay. know what it would be. Right. Okay. I should hurry up and figure that out because... you got a couple years left. Until... <laughs> you could make a major career change. No, really. I mean, the only thing now is... The thing I've been practicing most, writing. Mm -hmm. I'd never get hired as a writer in a room. Never. I'm too old. Maybe even too white and too male now. Mm. You are all of those things. I'm not good. I'm not a good team player. I don't think you're old. I mean that you're a white male. Yeah. Yeah. So, the the very thing that I've been practicing most, and also the acting, like I don't have much range. I can do a couple things really well, I think. Mm -hmm. That's my line. Mm -hmm. I do a couple things really good. I, I, I can't do a lot of other, so I couldn't. I'll tell you, I, I feel that way about most actors. Oh, I, really? Yeah, I feel like most people oh. get hired to do the same thing mm -hmm. over and over. 
I guess you're right. You know? Yeah. Like, everyone has that range. It feels like Jack Nicholson is playing a million different characters, but really. No, no. He's a movie star. He was he was a movie star. That's all. They just hired him to be Jack. Yeah, exactly. Right? Or Tom. But Cruise. like um, yeah. Meryl Streep. I knew you were going to bring her up because right? she's the only example of... Oh, is she the only one? She yeah. can do anything. Yeah, she's the... Uh, or, but there um, are people that disappear. Mm-hmm. Don't you think? Like Jennifer Jason Lee, Bruce Greenwood... Jennifer Jason Lee is a good example. She has good range. Who else? Um, I, I wanted to say Tilda Swinton, but then I thought, no, Tilda but she's Swinton. always Tilda. Is she? But she's so different from, like, uh, Orlando to... Yeah, yeah. Um, yeah. Oh, what was that movie? Michael... I can't remember. The Michael. Lynn Ramsey film with the, the, the dead son. With um, Jed George Clooney. Anyway. Oh, yeah, something different. Oh, right, right, right. Uh, that was really good. Uh, she can do it all. But you're right. It's putting very, her nylons it's on. very yes. few. Yeah, yeah. It's very few. Yeah. Okay. So um, name another city that you feel like you could have easily lived London. in. Really? Yes. That you feel like you could have Love lived? it. I've always loved it. Ever since I the first time I visited there... Like 15 years ago. Mm -hmm. Yeah. I've been to London more than any other place except for Mexico. But when you grow up in Vancouver, you just go there every year for a vacation anyway. So that doesn't even count. Yeah. London is my favorite. You feel like it calls to you. Yes. Okay. I love it. Okay. Uh, what about a band that you could have been in? No. No, I don't like bands. <laughs> I'm not interested in music or loud music, concerts. Nothing. You have no interest in music? No, not at all. Do you listen to music? In no, your... I, fa I force myself to so my children will hear music. And then what are you listening to? But, oh, during? Like when, you, that, when you're forcing like your children. Apple when you're... music, whatever they want. Ah. The five-year-old loves Kiss, so we listen to a lot of... Where did that come from? Kiss, I don't know. Oh, um, I do know Scooby-Doo. Oh, that's the where... The Scooby-Doo episode where Kiss is on it. That started a love of Kiss? Yes. Wow, it's amazing yeah. to see. How and one he'll thing. be in the back of the car, and 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 he'll be singing, um, uh, like all the words to "I Was Made for Loving You." That's funny. And tonight, I'm gonna give it all to you. And, and you know it because Boston of him. Look, you have a nice, yeah. nice. He has a Boston accent. Well, you know, he's got that speech impediment of a young child that's so adorable. Oh, that you call a Boston accent. Kind of sounds like a Boston accent. All his R's are like this. Oh, that's... Bit of a... Oh, got it. Da-da. Listen to your range there. You're... <laughs> You're so kind. That's great range. Okay, so this is all about you today. Oh, man. I love it. Is it, it like It doesn't actually differ much from all the other episodes, but I love it. Yes. I know. I wish I would have had more time to prep. I, you know what... Yeah, you when can, I we can just... We can riff. stop. We can this. just riff. Okay. Yeah, if you don't want, you can go and prep. You hit stop if it's pra if it's like painful. Okay. No, never. It's not going to be painful if we're talking about me. You only have three bottles to bring with you to a desert island. Gin. Easy. Was well, that the question. You. <laughs> <laughs> I. It was. If I. If you let me finish the question, the yeah. answer might be different. Next up after that is Richard J. Lewis, uh, a cousin by marriage. And he was a director-producer on Westworld for many years. It's a sip of water. But if it's Ed Make Harris... Now, Ed Harris, Ed Harris seems is a tough like cookie. he's so tough. He's, he's, not, he's never going to complain he's, about the heat. He never complains. No, he says, bring it on. He wants more heat. 
He wants more. Oh my yeah, God, I love it. Yeah, he's a. He, he says, "Bring it on." He does says, he do his own stunts? He pretty much does until I tell him to stop. Okay, can you stop? The sign says no taffy taffy, and you're tapping with your coffee cup. Deep, deepest apologies. <laughs> my deepest. Um, I love apologies. Ed Harris's face. Like he's got a face where he doesn't have to do it. Not that he does. You can never catch the guy. But he's just got a Grand Canyon for a face, man. He's so cool. It's like he's been through the ringer of life like 14. Why is that so attractive? 40 times. Yeah. Why is that so interesting to look at? Well, because his face tells a story. Mm-hmm. You look at his face and there's so many stories in there. Now, James Marsden has a face where you just think, I, you just lost me in your deep blue pools. <laughs> I don't even know if his eyes are blue, but you know, he's you're, so handsome. Yeah, no, you're, and you're thinking to yourself a lot, how does someone get like that? How, How do they make you, someone like that? What do I your often, parents I see, look like? Yeah, and I often see, like, okay, not only did you get the face, then you have the physique. That everybody, is he they, sliced and diced, too? Yeah, of course all, he is. they're all just perfect. That's why they're actors. That's why okay. you're an actor, because you're perfect. Uh, that's very nice of you to say, <laughs> but it's a hollow compliment. I know, I know you know. Now, James, does he have a... Have I ever seen you naked? No, but there's, there's still a lot more podcasts to go. Okay. James, does he have a trainer? Does he have a, Does he eat salads all the time? Is you know, he one of those guys who's... I see these guys in the gym, these actors. They come in, they're perfect, they're perfect, they're perfectly quaffed. Yeah. They work so hard Do in they? a gym, and they have no sense of humor. There's never a smile on their face. You know why? Because it's business for them. They yeah. are, the part of their business is becoming perfect physically in order to get cast. They have to be perfect. Who pulls it off like effortlessly that you've worked with? Where you, you just think, uh, wow, how does he do that? It doesn't look like they're working hard at all at it. You know who I see at the gym a lot? Who's a buddy of mine? Is Josh Dumel. You know, he was married yeah. to Fergie. Yeah. He, I see him. He's amazing. Is he? Yeah. He just, he looks, it looks effortless for him. And he's, you know, perfectly handsome and perfect you know, physique and all that stuff. And a good actor. And funny. Well, James Marsden's a good actor. And, and funny. Is very he funny, fu- too? Oh, very funny, man. Oh, that's right. He was in um, Anchorman 2? Yeah, and he was in the, you know... Is that the, right? Yeah, he's in... You very know, funny. The, he can do it all. What, what's the movie, uh, the remake movie? The, 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 um, Chips. <laughs> no. <laughs> he wasn't in that one. He wasn't in Chips. No, I the one with John it. Travolta. You know, the Saturday musical, Night Live. The musical. Saturday Night Fever? No. Grease. No. <laughs> It's the one Hairspray. that John... Yes. James Marsden was in Hairspray? Yes, he was. God, that was a while ago. He yeah. must have been even younger. Younger and funny. Uh, but lots of great actors. I'm just... I love working with those actors. I mean, I love working with Tandy. She's... What's Tandy like? She's British. Person. She's British. She's one of the most lovely people on the planet. Is she? Yeah. Yeah. She's, D- she's does she good, come over for dinner? Buddy. Yeah. Yeah. She comes over with her little one, Booker. Little uh, one Booker. Yeah, she's oh, a little, little baby. one, comma Booker. Yeah. Oh, right. Oh, cool. She How old's Booker? One. I think Booker's like three now or something like that, or four maybe. Something like that. So she comes over yeah. and she's just Tandy Newton. She's a great, normal, lovely yeah. person who's extremely gifted. And Do you hang with Ed Harris? A little bit. He doesn't seem like a guy oh. who's going to hang out. He likes sports, so, you know, in Utah, oh. we watch some sports together. We throw the baseball occasionally. He brings yeah. the glove. I bring a glove. Um, I mean, I think I, I was more excited about throwing a baseball with Ed than directing him. It's always really fun because you're like, I'm throwing a baseball with Ed Harris. 
And how, what's and, he like? But it's with hard the to fans? get it. You can't get it documented. You want to document it. And yeah, and he's send not it out a, on the social. He doesn't exactly he doesn't have his own it. selfie stick. No, he's not. He's not. <laughs> My former comedy partner, David Milchard, he's racked up over 150 million views on his YouTube hit series convos with my two-year-old. That's true. Don't ever. But your mom is always a bit uh, racy. Oh yeah, yeah. In her. Yeah, she's uh interactions. She's uh, yeah. She loves the innuendo. Yeah. There was that time that she cupped your buddy's balls. Oh yeah, Kaz. Yeah, she cupped Kaz's balls. That happened to me recently. Oh really? I was wearing um the suit of armor mm-hmm. and I was selling some insurance. And I was standing there in suburban Montreal and uh I was standing in a field like a Farmer's soccer field. field. Oh, okay, okay. I and pictured the wheat wardrobe or something. lady uh, was standing in front of me, and she just uh, reached up and held my package. Like, like you, and you knew just, you knew her though. Like you were you had had conversations with. Her? Yeah. No, okay. she was there fiddling with something like on the on, suit. Right. And another one was behind me fiddling with the suit. Mm-hmm. And then she just took one hand and she didn't even look. She wasn't looking at me. She wasn't paying attention. She was just holding my, my cock and balls. While and, she was fussing something else? <clears throat> no, she had finished fussing. She wasn't even looking at me, though. She was just... Now she's just holding. Holding it and looking off while two other people were working on putting the suit together on me. That is a, a wonderful experience. Well, it was, but my reaction surprised me. You think you'd know how to react in a... Right. When a really sexy woman that looked a lot like my wife. Oh, yeah. So she was totally my type. uh, Cups your, your cock and balls. And in a public setting. And they're French. You know, it was all there, and I oh, totally panicked. I mean, I froze. Well, what is like? I froze. I looked off. I looked the other way. Like, <gasps> what's happening? How do I react? What do I do? Do I say anything? This is how women felt for this f- is, so many years. Yeah, except that I'm about to say this is nice. Like I was oh, okay. Right there was a part of me that. Right didn't find it completely unenjoyable right i'm still you know i'm old i'm not dead no you got life down there i still got a little life down there even though dr vince bartucci took away all the swimmers does he work for donald trump no yeah <laughs> i don't think so he maybe could. he moved on from vasectomies <laughs> and now he's a communications officer <laughs> he should castrate the whole lot down there so after about, I'm not exaggerating, a minute and a half, right. she looked down to see what she was doing. Like, it's so, it was so weird to me. She didn't feel it. It took her looking. She just rearranged her eyes and looked mm-hmm. and saw and was like, oh. And she went, whoops, sorry. But like in a French accent. And then she giggled, yeah. And then I was still looking. And then a couple hours later, I read the situation. We were standing there. Wardrobe, me, somebody else. Yeah. And I just read the situation. Because I'm pretty good at that now. After years of reading, when is the right time to say something? And I said, 
like when earlier when you grabbed my package and just held me there for a couple minutes. And I wasn't sure about the response, especially with, I wasn't sure what I was going to get, especially with the language barrier. But luckily she laughed and everyone else laughed because she had told other people because she was so embarrassed. She was explaining to people that she accidentally she, she held told your her wardrobe package assistant. in her hand. She was like, oh my God, I was cupping his balls for like a minute and I have no idea why. And that is hilarious. Yeah. That legendary Hollywood producer, Don Enright. We worked together on an unrealized documentary on cannabis. Remember when cannabis was exciting? Don has, is an Emmy award-winning producer uh, who now lives in Canada and has a ton of great stories. You know, he What's was a, the good stuff that I can use? The, <laughs> the good stuff that you can use is, A, never give up. Okay, Okay. let's just talk about that for a second. Yeah. There's a difference between never, there's a difference between giving up and, there's a difference between quitting and uh, um, eliminating things that aren't working. Mm-hmm. Yes, of course. And, and, but it's a fine line. It's a fine line and it's, it's, um, but it's an absolutely necessary function. So help me hone in on what I shouldn't give up on. You shouldn't give up on anything you really believe in. You know, that you really, you yeah. really, you know, if you really believe in the, in the thing, right? Yeah. And you know, it's interesting because yeah. the thing you is. You know, it's so obvious when you say it. Yeah, of course, it's much but harder I'm like, to live it. Oh, yeah, of course. I really believe in writing comedy. Do you ever know, do you ever know when you have the thing? Have you ever had the thing? Have I ever had the thing? I mean, it's like, yeah, I know when question. I have the thing, okay? Um, I do. I, I, I Thank God I have this gift, okay? Because it has served me well. So in 1987, my partner, Les and Alexander, and I, working for my father, get, get this, um, we get a deal at CBS to make a TV movie. And so we're looking for a writer. We're, we're brand new TV movie producers. This is our first deal as, as TV movie producers. And we're looking for a writer. So we get all these samples in. And we got this sample called Neon Riders by Michael Jennings. And we read the sample, which had nothing to do with, do with the picture we were making. I mean, yeah. it wasn't even applicable, but there were really neat elements in this movie. And we thought we should, take the, we should bring him in. We brought him in and we said, listen, we have no money because we were operating on a separate budget. We have no money, but we will, become, we will be three-way partners. Okay? We know exactly what you need to do with this movie. What we need to do is have like three or four long meetings with you, and then we're going to give you $5,000, okay, and you're going to go and rewrite the script. And whatever happens thereafter will be three-way partners. So he goes away for nine months, and we haven't given, a, given him enough money to really have any kind of a claim on him. I mean, what are you going to do if he doesn't come back with your five grand? Are you going to sue him for five grand? Right. You know, he's a guy, you know? And, yeah. and, and, you know. So he goes away for nine months. He comes back. And um, he's got the script. And Lester and I, we were so young and eager, you know, we go into the office together at Saturday, on Saturday, so we can read the script in peace. You know, it's like yeah. the first script we've ever bought together. And we read this script, and the first 25 pages of the script are absolute gold, okay? And the next 25 pages of the script are pretty close to it, you know? Yeah. And, and then, it, it, you know, then it tapers off. But, but the first half of this picture is fabulous. Uh -huh. okay? I mean, and we, we, even we knew that okay we had nothing we now what are we gonna do <laughs> okay 
So we were at William Morris at the time, and we sent it to our agent, our, our putative agent, <laughs> William Morris. He was sick that weekend. He couldn't go out, you know, dancing and drug doing, okay? He, he just stayed home with his cold and read our script. Because if he hadn't been sick, it would probably have taken seven months for him. <laughs> right. right. And he read our script. And on Monday, he called us with a whole new tone. And he said, you don't understand what you have here. What you have here is an auctionable script. I'm going to sell this script for a million dollars. And two weeks later, he did. Wow. And okay. you split it three ways. And we split it. And so the, the, the writer, the writer thing, okay, the writer thing. Yeah. Um, it was so great. It was, it was just so great, you know? So we call up Michael, and we're looking for Michael. And this is before, like, you know, cell phones hadn't happened, right? So it was harder to get a hold of people. Mm-hmm. And we finally, we found Michael, and he was in Las Vegas. And he was staying in a friend's hotel room. He was gambling with a friend's money. And his, his future plan was to come back to Los Angeles, sell his Mazda RX-7, get a clunker, and live on the difference. That was his, that was what he was thinking of. And I remember saying to him, Michael, you got to get back to Los Angeles, but not to sell your car. You're a man with a serious tax problem. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And it was great. Wow. It was just great. So, <laughs> so you, you knew that was one of those things where you knew you had so the thing. I knew I had the thing, be, you know, so, so people are all trying to buy it for less. Right. Yeah. <laughs> and so the first offer comes in, it's a hundred grand and I, and my father and my partner, right. Oh, you know, maybe we should, you know, it's a hundred grand, you know, yeah. we only invested five grand and I, I started, you know, and I, I basically went batshit right up to a million dollars. I mean, in the sense of no, you know, no, I'm not, selling, you know, I'm not telling you, I knew I had the thing. Yeah. And finally a conversation in Bucharest, Romania with, um, my friend Jeff Lowe, who's a commercial director. And we were over there working on a campaign for many years on uh, for uh, mailing continents products, and he do, tells uh, uh, th- th- there's just something about Bucharest that just um, he's got great stories. Having me again, thank you for. I adore the podcast, and let me say that you've gotten so much better as a host. Have you been listening since the beginning? I've been listening since the beginning, and what I've noticed is. Your ability to plant, as I'll use a Sam Harrisism, to plant flags and sort, of, and sort of create garden paths of narratives instead of just jumping around like a fucking squirrel <laughs> on cocaine. <laughs> you really, there aren't any squirrels here. In Romania. Speaking of jumping around like a squirrel on cocaine. <laughs> Good point. I have not seen a squirrel. There's just, the, the city is controlled by packs of wild dogs. It's true. There's just, on the highway, there's just packs of wild it's dogs true. running down yeah. the side. It's a lot like Mexico in that respect. Bucharest, to me, I, the reason I love it, two reasons I love it. I love that everyone here is doing the wrong thing, <laughs> and they're living a little bit horribly. Yeah. And they, like how? And they kind of don't care. Yeah. They don't give a fuck here. And that's fun. And they smoke in elevators. Yeah. It's like, if, if Russia needed a Mexico... This is this it. is it. <laughs> Russia probably has twelve Mexicos. Is that what you're saying? <laughs> I love it, here. and everyone's working class, so everyone's kind of cool and funny. 
Yeah. Like there's not a lot of like rich people. And by doing the wrong thing, everybody's smoking too much, <laughs> yeah. right? Yeah. Drinking too much, eating nothing but meat. Mm-hmm. There's no vegetables here. You can't you, you can't get a salad to kill yourself. It's impossible. They don't know what to do with salads. When you order them, they panic. No, I always order two <laughs> because when you order one, it's like three slices of tomato and some rocket, <laughs> and that's it. And old. Old is... And the, le- and the lettuce is cut by scissors, like thin, like for a hot dog that you would put on, like shredded. The lettuce is all shredded. So why do you like Bucharest? The, well, one of the main, the philosophical reason is I've never been to a city that more closely represents the inside of my mind. <laughs> <laughs> is that it? Because it's, everything's a bit, what? A Just bit lawless broken? and on fire. Lawless and on fire. <laughs> yeah. And and it's okay to do anything. Like there's a lot of plastic plants and like one legged hookers and yeah, a lot of hookers. Hey, fuck, tons of hookers. I even got I got hookered by a woman that I don't think is a hooker. Like that's how widespread prostitution is. Even people that aren't prosies are trying to get in on the well, game. What what happened? What was the story? Well, I was I was walking around. And I don't know what it is about me. If the, if it's about me, or if or is that you're six six and an albino? <laughs> but people always come up to me. Yeah, people always want to meet me. <laughs> yeah, because you're six foot six or, and you're an albino. <laughs> or another thing they do is they'll just break out laughing. They think you're an X man. <laughs> they just break out laughing or smiling at me mm-hmm. because I think I look, especially here, I look really different. Yeah, well, you're also you also have like a built-in like sense of humor. Like you, there's a reason that you perform comedy on camera for a living. So in the space of about an hour, I met Adrian, an old what's that sound? An old man who um, could only walk up on his tiptoes, and he he like pranced. He took tiny, quick steps. Why? What happened? I don't know. There was something wrong. I couldn't find out. All he spoke was Romanian. We had a disastrous conversation, (laughs) but he asked me to go downtown with him. (laughs) You got that much He kept saying, Chantra, Chantra. And I would say, no, Adrian, I'm not coming downtown with you. (laughs) You're leveling with him? You're leveling with Adrian? (laughs) Then I met Elena, who owns, and this is a woman after my own heart. She owns an art gallery where she only shows art from herself and her daughter. Wow. Like, can you, the narcissism. I was just like, are you, are we related? That's a no money proposition. There's no one's making money off that. I went to take her picture and she said, no clip clip. And I was like, what? No clip clip. Oh, I can't. That was her sound for a camera. Clip clip. Oh, I see. No then I thing. met uh, M- Maria and Hang on, let me pause you Andrea. There. When you say you met these people, yeah. were you like, hi, Jason Bryden, pleasure? Like, what, mm. what, how were you meeting No, them? good question. Okay, so Adrian stopped me. Mm-hmm. Then I went into Elena's store because it looked like some weird art. And okay. I, and, I like, and I like that. So I went in there, and then, and then she asked if I was German. Right. And then Maria and uh, Ad- Andrea, Adriana, I'm not sure which, they were 
they were like smiling at me. So I just walked up to them and said, hey, what do you... Right. Were you smiling at me? That's right. what I said. Were you smiling at me? <laughs> and they both immediately went stone face like Eastern European. I felt uh, scared with what? that first okay first interaction because they went from smiling to, what the fuck are you doing talking to us? Really? It was that vibe. Huh. Yeah. And then it, within about five minutes, it morphed into... The Andrea woman saying massage. Oh, really? Yeah. Like, I, you know what? I could do some hooking today. Was that the vibe? It was. And further to that, once I figured out that she wanted to give me a massage for 250 lei, which is like 60 bucks. Yeah. She wanted to do it right then and there. Like on the floor. <laughs> I, I just thought, well, wait a second. You don't have a, you don't have a massage table. Mm-hmm. You, don't, like, you don't have any of the infrastructure. Do you have your oils? Do you have... How about a business card? She had nothing. So, so, so you think it was just... Her, she just turned into a prostitute? She just morphed into a prostitute. <laughs> like then and there, she decided, hey, if I can make 250 lei, I fucking... Sorry, Maria. I know we went for a walk, but... Uh, it is ironic that the currency is called lei. It is. Yeah. Yeah. That's unfortunate. So then she finally... F- found her phone number for so me. The, so the, the mother-daughter art gallery isn't doing as well as she'd hoped? Oh, no, different women. Oh, okay. Different women, sorry. Yeah, Elena is like, the, the owner of the art gallery is like 83. <laughs> she's not hooking lately. She, she's, she wasn't, well, I, she yeah, wasn't putting that like, out. Do you think, so do you, see, you get the impression that she wasn't a hooker, but then she was like, well, She was out it. for a walk with her friend. Like, they were sitting on a park bench. And fuck it, let's just be a hooker now. And then, so she gave me this, her phone number, which was on a battered old s- square piece of paper. <laughs> a missing cat poster. <laughs> like she had thought to herself a few months ago, mm. hey, look, if I'm out and there's an opportunity for prostitution, right. I'll take it. I don't have business cards, but I'll put these squares of paper with my phone number on it in my purse. Well, she was probably a hooker, man. Well, maybe, but what was she doing with her friends? Well, she was just, hookers have friends, and they go out for, like, snacks. Okay, so... And you just bumped into a hooker. She's, I guess I just bumped into a hooker. But she said, so she gave me this Mm. phone number. Mm. And then Maria, the other woman... You're a nice clean man with some money to her. Okay, fair enough. Not some filthy fucking... But then, this, this is where it gets weird. Maria, her friend who wasn't propositioning me for a massage at all, she turns to me and sort of under her breath, she says, she doesn't have a phone. (laughs) (laughs) That's confusing. So I said, whose phone is this then? And Maria was just like, the pimp. Just shrugged her shoulders. It must have been the pimp. The pimp. What am I going to call the pimp? A Romanian pimp. Hello, Jason Bryden here. Hey, I'm just wondering after the credentials of your uh, <laughs> massage therapist, Andrea, I think her name is. Hey, sorry to bug you. So yeah, you're going to call the Romanian pimp. But why all the cloak and dagger? I mean, when you come out of the, the Radisson. Illegal, no? But every night, every time you walk out of the doors of the Radisson, there's women yelling, <laughs> Hey, hey, mister, my friend wants to talk to you. <laughs> Sex, blowjob, 
Like they're running after you down the street. Our, for our listeners, our friend David, who spends a lot of time here, he told us a very funny story how uh, in one of the hotels, there was a prostitute that roamed the hallways and like a zombie. And so and if she saw you going in your room alone, she'd be like, she'd like come after you. And it was like a race to like run to your room and like, like hope that your key works. Like it didn't get demagnetized. Otherwise you get caught by the zombie. And she's an just, entrepreneur. She would have been championed in America for her go gettedness But that's why I love Romania. I was out. I was out the other night. Well, you, you, you were. You, you saw what happened. And I said to myself, I said out loud. I said, "Does Bucharest have Uber?" And someone said, "No." And so I opened my Uber, pressed Uber, and they do have Uber. I'm like, "Let's order an Uber driver." First Uber driver ever to be ordered. We get in the car. The girl in the back seat. The producer. Halfway, it's, it's, it's instantly noticeable that this man is a criminal. He's not on the right side of the law. Like he says, how long have you been a driver? I do this to stop playing roulette. Okay, well, the man has vices instantly. Is that what he said? Yeah. That was the first thing he said. And then this girl in the backseat, she heard that and she said, okay, we need cocaine and we need weed. What can you do for us? He drove us straight to a gym. And a guy came out and gave us weed. You went to a gymnasium yeah, like for a, drugs. like a gym, like a boxing gym. Oh. And then he drove us straight to an apartment complex and walked out with cocaine. The first Uber driver I ever met in Bucharest. That's what happened. That's how good this town is. Like, you know, that's not going to, that doesn't happen. No. In towns. Like, so you guys got hooked up. I mean, was it scary at all going to the gym? It was fun. Was it? It was fun. He was driving really fast and reckless, and uh, we were all giggling. <laughs> and the and the map on my phone, like the Uber map, was yeah. it was a was a nightmare. It was like Linguini. <laughs> and then uh, he asked for my phone number and where I was shooting the next day. Was he? Did he want to give you a massage? There, maybe he was hooking me. I don't know. Everyone's a hooker. Everyone's a hooker in this town. I love Bucharest. I would never suggest anyone come here. (laughs) But it's the best place, pound for pound, the best city in the world. Maybe. Maybe. Yeah. I've never liked it more than sort of an experiment. And I thought, coming here for the third time, I thought, you know what? There's a lot of other beautiful cities that we could explore in Eastern Europe. And uh, and for whatever reason, we come back here. But I got to tell you that I've fallen in, not love, but I've fallen in like with Buki. Yeah. It's, it's fucking weird. It's broken. It's dirty. It's got this communist hangover that you see in the faces and the buildings. It's so ugly. It's so ugly. <laughs> but then you turn a corner, like there's a corner right behind the Hilton. Mm. There's a cobblestone street with beautiful cafes. Yeah. Yeah, there's moments. It has moments. That's another Eastern European thing they always say. Moment. Yeah. My favorite expression is bravo success. That's mine too. That's amazing. Bravo success. Bravo success. Bravo success. We did it. (laughs) Okay. (laughs) Okay, so why is Bucharest like your brain? Or what's your brain like that you sync up with this weird place that was run by a lunatic and his wife for decades. That's right, Ceausescu. Your listeners could listen, look up uh, Ceausescu. Uh, I think I've talked about him before because he's so fascinating. The, he was such an asshole. The 80s Hitler guy. Yeah, 1988. You could still watch YouTube videos of him being 
m- murdered with his wife. Yeah. Who apparently had insane body odor. <laughs> no way. Yeah, a little, little piece of trivia. What a weird thing. Um, well, no, Bucharest, it's just like I'm a, you know, I'm a depressive person. And it's just like when you get here, you're like, oh, yeah. <laughs> this is some this is some sweet there's depression. some sweet heaviness there's yeah. some sweet loneliness going on in this town like there's some bleak one bedroom apartments that i'd like to visit <laughs> you know just checking out ceiling beams to see if it'll support your weight if you if you can what i'm saying Thanks for listening to the Bold Acting Podcast. I hope you've enjoyed these uh, strange tales from both mainstream Hollywood and uh, the um, margins, the uh, the exterior, uh, the outer limits of showbiz. My takeaways are, even five years ago, even now, I love asking people with different experiences what I should do next how they did it how can I learn um, implicitly from other people rather than having to go through it myself you know there's that diagram of uh, of learning I can't remember who came up with it but um, but it's an inverted triangle and you retain more information from actually doing something that's where you gain real experience and uh, the further away from actually taking action, the less you retain. So down at the bottom is reading a book because you only retain like 10%, if that. I mean, anything by Uval Harari, I retain like 1%, but I, I try not to read that stuff anymore. The doing of it is where the learning happens. Next up uh, below that is uh, talking to somebody, is watching a demonstration, is taking a lecture or a seminar. So it's the next best thing is talking to people and trying to figure out how they did it and then trying to figure out how that applies to you because experience is not wisdom. As you get older, you have more and more experience, but it's how we metabolize that wisdom or metabolize that experience and turn it into wisdom. And I think these conversations um, show a lot of uh, wisdom, perseverance, and obsession. Obsession beats talent every single time. For more information, go to boldacting.com. Sign up for my newsletter at boldacting.substack.com. And you're already listening to the podcast, so congrats to you. Now, just spread the word. Tell people about it. Share this show right now. You can share it by going up to those three dots at the top of your screen on your little uh, device there. And, uh, and it says share the show and then share it loudly and proudly with all uh, that you know and not know. Use my show to make new friends. Okay. Uh, in the meantime, if you want to get in touch, email me at jasonbryden at gmail.com and I'll speak to you again soon.